Hello and welcome to Bebel. Today on the show, I am getting one of my favourites on. I saw this lady talk a little while back and she really inspired me. When someone's ethos in their business is health first and they describe themselves as happy, kind and positive, you know they're part of our tribe. I hope you enjoy. She's a real inspiration. Welcome, Fiona. I'm so happy to have you on and thank you for making the little journey up. Not at all. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, no, it's great. So, as you know, Bebel is all about empowering women and encouraging movement and uh, no better woman, as I say. Absolutely. Um, I follow you. I stalk you. From I'm trying to think when I first listened to your story, probably about a year or so ago. That was Network Ireland event, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I remember talking to you after and I was like, I really, I'm going to start a podcast and I really want you to be on it. Oh, brilliant. And now it's happened. I know. So now you're here. Um, (sighs) But Belle is all about the person behind uh, what we see on on social media or business, etc. So tell me, where did it all begin for you? Where are you from? Where am I from? I'm from Ballincollig originally. Okay. Yeah. And I worked, both my parents worked in the health service. So I kind of naturally went in that direction to healthcare and uh, ended up in Dublin in DIT studying medical physics and worked in Dublin for four and a half years. And I worked in cardiology and I just kind of realised that the more I was seeing, the more I realised that people were getting sick and they were becoming unwell Um, but they didn't know what to do to prevent it or how to improve it afterwards. And I thought, oh my God, you know, something has to be done, of course, thinking that there was no one in the world, only me doing it. (laughs) So um, I love learning and uh, I went and I did a course in personal training and health and fitness and then we moved back to Cork and um, I was kind of working part-time in the health service and just realised that I wanted to be at home with the kids, but I wanted to be doing something for myself as well. So um, I did as many courses as I could. I became qualified in Pilates. I did health and lifestyle coaching, uh, fit for life coaching, um, athletics coaching, you name it. Every course I could do, I did. And uh, then I went away and did a master's in uh, sports nutrition science. And here I am now working with um, nutrition clients, um, Weight loss, performance, nutrition, um, and yeah, loving it. Absolutely loving it. But you also, you breathe, you live everything yeah. you believe in, which is, it's it's really inspiring. I love watching you. <laughs> it does sometimes when I'm feeling exceptionally lazy. I know there's a couple of accounts that I need to go to, one being yours. Um, but where does the love come from? Like when you were a kid, did you play a lot of sport? Um, not really. Like, I don't know, in the 80s, you were either, uh, I think... A GA son, and okay. you were a hard GA, or um, or you weren't. And my parents weren't really sporty. I suppose we used to walk at the weekends and stuff. Um, so I started playing rugby because of boys. Um, I was horse riding all the time just because I love animals. Uh, so that was primarily what I was doing. Um, I played rugby up to the age of. Uh, 16 like full on rugby like full, hardcore yeah so um, I would have played for Ballincollig and then got picked for the Monster Squad but um, we had to pay for all our own kit we had to pay for all yeah. our own travel back in the day yeah. and um, I just I just couldn't justify that expenditure when I was horse riding as well so um, I kind of stopped playing rugby and started doing Taekwondo so I became uh, when I was nearly 17 I was West Cork female champ in um, sparring Okay. And um, 
Yeah, so that's that's about what I did. But I just loved being outdoors. We lived what I thought was miles away from civilization. It was actually just waterfall, like okay. a mile outside Valencolic. Um And I just loved being outdoors. I loved being involved in the horses and any opportunity to be outside. That's where I wanted to be. And then going to DIT, was that your first sort of move out of the home? Um, I moved out when I was just 19. Okay. So, uh, and I didn't go to DIT until I was uh, 21. Oh, right. Yeah, so I was working. So what happened 19 to 21? I was working, I bought a house uh, when I was 18. So, of course, just yeah. all eighteen-year-olds <laughs> buy houses. <laughs> Good um, so I, yeah, I just, I just wanted to work. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, okay. and I didn't want to go to college. And just for the sake of going to college, because unless I have a kind of a purpose or a goal, I'm not motivated. And I didn't want to just go and do something and just needlessly spend money on being somewhere for nothing. So I figured I'll work. And um, I had about four or five jobs at the time. So I would work in, I know. I'm, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm, I'm good ones, bad ones. No, no, but none of them included a poll. Like, so uh, we're doing okay. Um, I, I worked, sorry. Okay, can we cut that part? I'm joking. Um, so I, uh, I worked in the health service um, uh, 9 to 5 Monday to Friday yeah. as medical secretary then at the weekends I would do early shifts in accident emergency on the desk bringing people in then I would swap over to um, the courthouse tavern you know the pub next to the courthouse yes. yeah I worked there uh, every now and again then when they were short over in Reardon's I'd pop across the road and I worked in the Derby and Ballancolic as well so I'd do the club out there um, so yeah, I, I was just, that was my social life then because obviously I had to pay a mortgage. So yeah. um, my social life was behind the bar, giving other people a drink. I think it's a great, sad, I, was was a, I, was a land, I was a landlady at 18 and oh, I was yeah. in the same yeah. situation. It was the best, ed- like working in bars and nightclubs was the best education. Yeah. And as my mom would say now, Shrancha street streetwise now as a result. You've become uh, a huge diplomat. Oh my God, do you watch, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, but it was it was a fabulous time. I was broke. I was living on eight pounds a day um, and uh, which and went, what did you eat? Mm, I used to in the hospital I used to get subsidised so I used to have my dinner at lunchtime for 3.50 cool and then I'd come home in the evening and um, I'd have either a bowl of pasta with like just tomato passata and cheese or a bowl of cereal or if it was the start of the week I might actually bake a chicken breast um, but like nothing yeah yeah yeah, no, I, I was, was the so same. Broke. I was I was pasta, tomato, ketchup, oh god, cheese and tuna, <laughs> tuna, yeah, 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 yeah. just yeah. tins of tuna. I used to make my my dad discovered this just purely by accident, a tin of tuna with a teaspoon of curry powder on rice. Nice, most delicious thing I've ever tasted. Okay, write that down. Ridiculously <laughs> delicious, like yeah, yeah. I have a thing about tuna. I love but it tuna. Always, I, I love yeah. tuna as well because it makes me feel like I'm eighteen. <laughs> Because it's all I ate. It was my staple for about two years. <laughs> yeah. So it's always a good memory. Yeah. There you go now. So from there, so that's when you, you made the decision, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Working in that environment between yeah. cardiac and cardiac in the pub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All coming together. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I'd been doing that. Uh, and then I moved to Dublin and um, the job I was in was um, working full time. And you got kind of student wages, which was 
meagre. Um, and you were in college then, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, uh, which was a fantastic way to learn because whatever you were doing at the weekend, you could go and apply it. You were getting the hands-on experience as well. Yeah. I thought that was so fabulous. It's all changed now. It's a, a full four-year degree. And, okay. um, you know, people are coming into the hospital environment having done just two-week placements here, two-month placement there. So um, I'm glad I got to experience that way of doing things. Uh, so yeah I really I really loved that job I loved that job but health service just in terms of my own mental health and like that we were speaking a while ago about the light and being in daylight and yeah. I just I it wasn't me I loved the job and I love having the crack with patients and um, from a technical perspective I loved what I was doing you really really used your brain but um, the environment wasn't right for me it wasn't feeding my soul you know yeah. uh, it just yeah it wasn't right so I just love it now. Like I'll, I'll be like, oh, sorry, I can't, I can't meet you for coffee. I have to go and meet a client on the beach. Yeah. You know, so it's, my life is such a drag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> so I love it. I love it now. Yeah. Oh, and uh, all the courses that you did. What thing? Mm. What one do you think has really sort of stood out for you? Um, actually, I started post grad in nutrition in the UK uh, yeah. in uh, applied nutrition, and um, I actually ended up kind of three quarters way through it, um, becoming a bit unwell. So I didn't do the final exams in it but I, like the whole experiential part of that um, it was all about research and it just I think reignited um, my need to question everything yes. and reignited my love of uh, doing my own research and um, I think in in my blog I'll, I'll take a topic and I'll go oh, loads of people want to know about that I'll research it I'll translate it into non-medical non-scientific and English. do this, do that, yeah, yeah, and um, start writing about it. So uh, I've loads of pieces ready to ready to go, and just still in the process. And um, I mean, it's kind of trying to put photographs with certain blogs. Like, there's only so many pictures of probiotics you can throw up there, you know. Yeah. So uh, thanks for that. Know what that looks like? Thanks so much. <laughs> Oh, I know. I'm so artistic. Not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do you make a probiotic look good? This well, is a new challenge. You know, if you've got a, I, I don't know, somebody beautiful or yeah. holding up a, a tablet, but that can be taken anyway. So it's like, yeah, yeah. No, no. no, you yeah, can't go down no, that road. Leaving different pictures in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, bless. Yeah. And so when you, you're going through all this and then you find out that you're not very well. Yeah. So I had done the Cork Marathon in yeah. 2009. Um, and I was signed up. Well, I first I'd signed up for the New York Marathon and my husband was like, what have you done? You can't just go and do a marathon. And I was like, well, why not? Um, come on, we'll go for the crack. And he said, well, look, if you're going to do this, if you're serious, you we're going to have to sign up for another one. So we signed up for Cork and um, I think that was him challenging me. Uh, and then he was a bit horrified when I did sign did us up it? for Cork. Um, so then we had to train, obviously. And... Um, about 10 miles into the Cork Marathon. Now, this day in 2009, it was about 24 degrees. It was, the I don't think they've ever had a year Same. as hot. It was insane. Freak um, weather. Coming up the um, the straight road, the Carragrahan Strait, there's a there's a big thermostat down at the bottom of that road and it said 26.5 on that. It was nuts. It was so hot. And about 10 miles in, I just blew up. I was running so well and I ended up walk running the entire rest of the marathon. I was broken. Um, and I was saying, God, you know, why am I so tired? So we recovered after that and about three days later I went out for my recovery run and I started running and I was 500 metres in and I was saying, I don't, I don't think I can do this. Like, I'm totally out of breath. I feel really weak and I got really pig-headed with myself and I was like, this is 
ridiculous. You've just run 26 miles. You're going to go out and do five miles and cop yourself on. And so <laughs> I went out and I did my five miles and I was so wrecked, like so unbelievably wrecked. Um, I couldn't actually go home and cook food for myself. So I went straight to a cafe in town and um, I got a can of 7-Up and ordered some food and I was really just shaky and horrible. And I was saying to myself, God, the last time this happened, I was pregnant oh, maybe I should go and do a test. So I went and I did a test and I was eight weeks pregnant and um, I said, oh, for God's sake. So I went to the GP and said, look, you know, I'm pregnant. Uh, What do we need to do now again? Um, Because it had been a whole, like, 18 months since I'd been pregnant the last time. And I couldn't remember. Um, So um, I had some testing done and uh, they said, oh, uh, there's something not quite right there. Maybe we should follow that up a bit more. So... As it transpired, um, I was diagnosed very, very soon after that with uh, kidney disease. Well, they thought it was kidney disease. Um, So I had to have a kidney biopsy. But because I was 16 weeks pregnant, they couldn't give me any uh, sedation. And they couldn't give me any pain control, any of the good stuff. Yes. Um, So I had an awake, uh, without pain control, kidney biopsy, which is a pretty horrible experience. Um, And... That's when they kind of diagnosed um, uh, renal disease then. So I kind of managed it away grand for a few years, really, uh, until about 2015, I got the flu. Proper, full on, a month on the couch, flu. And my my kidneys just went wallop. They went, right, that's it. We've had enough, had lads. Enough. Yeah. So um, uh, that kind of started the process then. So it it was it's not an autoimmune disease, okay. But it is my immune system attacking my kidneys. So um, they said, okay, what we'll do is it's kind of a a random fifty percent of people it works for, fifty percent it doesn't. Um, we'll try you on six months dose of uh, chemotherapy and high dose steroids. So I said, look, try anything. I'd be kicking myself if it did, if it w- might have yes. worked, and it I hadn't even tried it. So that was a horrible six months, just with nausea and you know, steroid, big steroid face. And um, and of course, when you're working in nutrition and fitness uh, and and you, yeah, I just looked so terrible. So that was a bit of a, that was a bit of a kick in the teeth. But um, I figured, look, if it works, great. It's worth it. And it didn't. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I went on then to be put on the transplant list. And um, after about a year, I started dialysis. Uh, but eight months or nine months after going on the transplant list, I think I, I, uh, I had surgery to, to be able to do dialysis. Um, I started dialysis in just before Christmas that year or just after Christmas. And um, yeah, that was... I remember was, you telling um, this, your story and I remember you saying about being busy and having to, and, you know, working through it and, and giving yourself dialysis in your passenger seat of your car. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, this woman rocks. <laughs> <laughs> I like, you know, when they're when they're telling you about this, um, there has to be a big sterile environment and yeah. special hand washing procedures. So um, I used to boil water, let it cool, put it in a flask, um, have like alcohol wipes. I had a little tray, like a coffee tray that I got in Ikea. Um, that would go into the bag. All my sterile stuff would go into the bag. So I'd take the tray out wipe it down with the sterile stuff, wash my hands in a hippie scrub. Um, and like I was out at horse riding events, 
Um, I was at triathlons. Should we spent that was the summer we had a, an amazing summer. So I'd be like in my bikini at the beach, come up <laughs> down in West Cork, come up to the car, do the whole wishy washy thing, do my dialysis, go back down, put a wetsuit on, go for a swim. That's not uh, stopping you, Fiona. No, no. You know, you. I think you just have to. Uh, jump up and, and make the best of it. Like, And how long was it you were on dialysis before you got um, the um, transplant? I was on nine months, nine months. And then on the 4th of September, um, my friend, Grania, gave me a kidney. So, uh, which was really sound of her. Um, so a couple of my friends actually had been tested and uh, family members and uh, relatives and everything. Yeah. And like, it was amazing because even people I had worked with were like, oh, Jesus, you need a kidney. No problem. Look, I'll go in and get a blood test there. And I was like, what? You know, amazing. people, unbelievable. You know, people really surprise you. Yeah. They really surprise you. And um, yeah, Grania ended up being a match, um, which she was really surprised about because she'd had a number of pregnancies and she has three kids, um, which all these things will kind of increase your, okay. um, maybe, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, can make it non-viable um, just in terms of, oh, the word. Well, they're not going to put it in unless they're happy with the grade. The I match, suppose. exactly. The, the grade yeah, you and know? the match, yeah. Yeah, so um, she had an amazing kidney. Oh my God, it was the best looking kidney they ever saw. <laughs> and she gave it to me. So, um, yeah, so it's 18 months now. That's crazy. Yeah. And it's flown by. Unbelievably quickly. Yeah. yeah. But your recovery, I think, because you're such a, you know, you're strong, your recovery was yeah. easier for you or well, less easy? Do How you know, did you it's, find it? It's funny because I suppose it's all about perception. So yeah. loads of people, I met lots of people who had had a transplant and they all said, oh my God, Fiona, you're going to wake up and you're going to feel amazing. You'll feel yes. so different because you have this working kidney. And it was kind of the opposite because like the weekend I had the transplant on a Monday, the weekend before that I had been running a road race. So because I was, yeah, like I was so strict and so good with the, with the renal diet. So it's really, really important um, when you have any kind of kidney disease to manage it really well because um, it really affects your, your blood levels and your energy levels and everything. So I was really strict with that. I stayed really healthy and fit. And so then I went in and I had a big seven hour surgery and I was stapled together and on all these horrible painkillers. So I woke up going, oh, I feel like the like worst crap. hangover ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, so I kind of expected to be like, right, in a week's time now, I'll be up and about and I might go for a small jog, you know. Okay. And, <laughs> Good God, oh, but uh, I totally underestimated um, what your body actually goes through in a big surgery like that. So, um, like, I couldn't even read a book. I couldn't focus my concentration for weeks and weeks. Um, so I couldn't even I couldn't even write really. I had all these blog pieces set up and um, published them all, and then I went, oh, I have to take a rest. Uh, so your positivity kind of only gets you so yeah. far, and you have to, I think, sit back and. Uh, just reset the goalposts every now and again and go, okay, come on now. Really. But I think it's so important to be able to listen to your body because sometimes yeah. it does say, look, give me a break. Yeah, and an awful lot of time people ignore it. Yeah. And that's when you end up getting injured or getting sick. Or um, So, yeah, I did. I kind of said, okay, that's it. After after about a week, I went, right, come on now. Um, just rest. So 
I went and I had my leisurely naps during the day and I wore slippers for 12 hours of the day and didn't Lovely. go anywhere. It was bliss. So once I started doing that, then I was kind of going, OK, yeah, this is good. This is this is working, you know. Um, but it definitely took me until about four months ago to start really realising, OK, now now I've arrived. I'm here now because um Things I felt I was working at before, uh, even just uh, my mental acuity, things I felt that I really had to concentrate on before were suddenly becoming easy again. Yeah. And um, writing, uh, just writing up plans for clients, you know, it, I just kind of feel like I'm back in my groove, you know, so uh, and that's kind of only the last four months, really. And I hate that, you know, if, like if it, there's a bug going around, for instance, actually we were chatting at work the other day and I yeah. said, do you know, I haven't feel like, felt like 100% for ages. Yes, yeah. I felt like 92%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There is that. And that 8% feels enormous when you're used to feeling good, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely at the point now where I was way back when I think I'm I'm very very nearly there and I know because I think you had a bit of a bug recently and, yeah, and you January. were really good at saying no I'm I'm just going to take a break yeah, yeah, and I was yeah. like I hope people are watching this because oh, yeah. she's listening to her body and, yeah. and it's telling her and she's listening and it's yeah. great or oh, the most I did was just put on my wellies and go for a walk up the field yeah. because I felt I had to just be outside Fresh air. and get that blow out and actually just move my body I like some people get more injured from doing too much yeah. I get injured if I do too little if I don't move my joints feel sore oh, me. my back is if I'm not moving my back just does crazy stuff yeah. and I can't do anything so no I have to be really careful I have to move every day yeah. now, I'm always running around but yeah. I have to move, move. so yeah. I have to stretch in the morning I have to stretch in the afternoon otherwise my lower back yeah, will, yeah. and it will tell me yeah absolutely my facet will freeze and that's the end of it yes yeah and then I have to wiggle from side to side yeah yeah do <laughs> your happy my, dance do my happy dance <laughs> and I'm back but like for yourself like I mean you spend your life now is encouraging other people yeah um, and getting that message over and I think it's so important um, and we're really lucky actually, that mm. we can have that outside environment. Like West Cork is beautiful. Oh my God, it's so stunning. It's yeah. so stunning. And, do you know, I was only saying to my husband the other day, like we went from living in Dublin, which was wonderful. We had a great time, all the music venues and the food and it was so much fun. Um, but now we live where we used to go on holidays and it's just like, I feel like I'm living on holidays. And time. we've been there for 12 years and it still doesn't, that feeling still hasn't gone, you know. Um, so it's it's fabulous, yeah. And from a work perspective, obviously you have your blog, you have clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you do some running workshops. Mm-hmm. And what's, what's is there really one that if someone said you can't do that anymore, you'd be like, oh no, that's the one. Oh, um, I kind of get I kind of get something from all of them. Like okay. I love I love the one to one contact with my running groups. Yes. Um, and the running holiday that we do is just completely new people and it's a completely different vibe because people are coming from abroad um and then the online stuff it's great because i get these little messages from people and it's really like this kind of external validation which we all say we don't need but we do a little bit and we love it i just love getting messages back from people going oh my god i met someone the other day um who i haven't seen in two or three weeks and she said oh you look amazing your skin is great and And I love hearing that, that just um, because it's not actually the words, it's the happiness that comes through that, you know, that they they have a mirror of themselves to say, 
I'm improving. This is a change. And um, and then the writing, the writing is a is a a hobby. I love writing, and it might be um, it might be a paragraph of something completely fantastical um, that never gets read or just gets put in a corner. But um, I love making observations and writing them down. And or I'll I'll be looking through uh, Instagram and I'll see someone make a comment. And I'd be like, right, I have to, I have to write about that, and then I read back over it twenty four hours later and go, you idiot, you yeah, know. Yeah, uh, yeah. But still, it's just, a, I think it's Come a wonderful, back. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a wonderful, um, yeah. I couldn't do without writing either. Um, they all, they about. all, they really do, you know. And like the writing is a hobby, but it just so happens that I can kind of translate that into uh, educating, you know. Yes. So yeah, yeah. And transplant games. Tell me about them. <gasps> So transplant games. Um, now, I was signed up to go this year. Okay. And we've decided not to go for the simple reason that we have so much on this year. Um, I'm kind of ramping things up with my work. Um, we have other plans to go away quite a bit, and we've been away. There's been conferences, um, and so anyway, what I did was I signed up. You can sign up for five sports. Um, so I signed up for the virtual triathlon, which is. Uh, we say you do a 5k run one day, a 30k TT on the bike another day, and then there's a 400 meter swim, which would be my toughest one. I have okay. to say I'm not fast for the swimming. Uh, and then I was signed up for a 100 meter sprint and a 200 meter sprint. So they would the the sprint would probably be um would probably be my best one. Um, so that was going to be in Newcastle this year, the end of August. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's. It was a big decision not to do it. But again, like that, I just had to listen to myself Absolutely. and say, OK, what what are you looking forward to this year and what's stressing you out? And OK, stressing from the not from the perspective of kind of pre-race anxiety or pre-race jitters, um, because I know those and I recognise those. But just in terms of uh, managing all the animals, because we practically have a farm, um, <laughs> arranging all the stuff around travel, transporting bikes, um, getting the kids over there, booking accommodation, and it was just it was just really stressing me. So I said, "Look, you know, let's let's just take it easy. I'm just going to enjoy competing this year for the sake of competing, and I can knuckle down next year and yeah. and hammer on because there's European Games, there's the World Transplant Games, there's the British Games. I think next year they're and in I know Dublin. you'll do them because when you say competing, your eyes light. Up. I know <laughs> you're not competitive <laughs> at all. No, right? not at all. <laughs> Oh, it's class. Oh, so that's good. Take a break this year and next year we can watch you doing them all. Yes, yes. Well, I'd still do triathlon this year. I'd still yes. have a couple of events to sign up to. So Brilliant. Yeah. You're some woman. <laughs> so listen, your predecessors, people that have been here before, have left some questions. So you get to pick a couple. Yeah. So pick away, read oh. them out. and answer. I was so nervous about this because I was, I was listening to the other podcast going, oh my God, how would I answer that question? <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. Um, oh yes, okay. I don't know. That's just something random. Oh, you know, that's, that's not like, a question. That was actually just a note that I left myself. <laughs> <laughs> I must have put it in the pot by accident. Okay, what is your biggest <laughs> regret? Um, I can answer that immediately. It's not really regret because I bought a house instead. But when I was eighteen, everybody else was going off traveling, okay, and doing the travel holidays and the um. 
these big amazing trips um, and I was supposed to go to Sri Lanka with a friend of mine who was actually adopted from Sri Lanka and she went and I didn't. Um, so I regret not travelling. Um, I say it's not really a regret because it's it's planning for the future and there's kind of yes. a, a bucket list of things to do and places to see um, and like we don't really spend our money on uh, massive nights out and, and kind of big drinking. We put our money into a pot for holidays uh, to bring the kids to yes. see places. So um, it's so a regret. you get to do it with them. Yes. And yes. I get it because I was exactly the same. I worked from a very young age mm-hmm. and all my friends, I didn't do university either, and then they did uni and then they went travelling yeah. and I didn't. Yeah. And yeah. it's funny, my husband now, like it's an obsession of mine to go to Australia yeah. for a period of time. Um, he's no interest in Australia. And I don't, it only interests me because everybody did it and did I didn't it, yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm the same. We're travelling more now. Yeah. And it is, it is a regret. That, that, yeah, that I didn't yeah. do it, but it doesn't upset me either because I'm the person I am because, because of, 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 of the journey that choices. I had. Yeah, exactly. You know, absolutely. Yeah. So we're doing it now, and um, we've seen some great places. So best yeah. place. Um, Maui was pretty awesome because we didn't do the touristy stuff. We kind of okay. did the back road stuff. Um, my favorite place in the world is Sweden. Oh really? Oh my god! And where do you stay? We stay in the south of Sweden in Kalmar, which is. Uh, Kalmar is like um, kind of countryish, yeah. But it's the most beautiful city. Um, it's cobbles everywhere, massive old buildings, uh, and we go out to the countryside there. And um, the water in the summer is like eighteen degrees, and it's just magical. There's all these woods. You can go for a walk in the woods, but like the deers follow you because yeah. they're curious. Um, it's it's fairy tale. It's my uncle calls it Naughty Land. Yeah, it's it's okay. just fairy tale. Amazing. Yeah, we'll talk again. I'll give you yeah, all the yeah, yeah. <laughs> little itinerary coming my way. Yeah. Pick another question for me. Okay. If you only had three words to describe yourself, what would they be? Um, happy, kind, and positive. Best three words in the world. Yeah, I can do those fast. Um, yeah, I I. I'm inherently positive um, and it used to kill my parents when I was small because I'd I'd be kind of trying to make friends with with these rotten little children who used to be throwing stones at people <laughs> and stuff and I'd be like, ah, but they're always laughing. They're really yeah, happy, you know. And mom and dad used to be like, get away from them. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I, I always try and see the positive in things and situations um, and uh, I'm always laughing. I, I need to kind of knuckle down and get serious sometimes, but... Always no. laughing. <laughs> if you can't have fun. Well, that's it, yeah. yeah. What are you doing it for? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Listen, you are just like the poster girl for B-Bell. Those oh. three words are so important to me. Happy, kind, positive, yeah. strong, bold, badass. All of them, do you yeah. know, they, they mean so much. So if there was one thing you'd leave us with today, what would it be? Oh, One little snippet of advice. Give everything. And don't hold back because I think the more you give without without cause and without thinking about it, you just get it back tenfold. Just give everything you know, give all, just give all your love, give all your kindness. And it just, it just comes back to you in droves in the most unexpected ways. Yeah.
I think it's so right. Mm. Fiona, thank you so much Thanks for coming today. I've absolutely great. enjoyed it. Now, let's go for coffee and sort out Yay. Sweden. <laughs>